0: hello everybody welcome back to high school not so much a musical in part two of our conversation with jill and adam we will talk about jill and adam's future on the news and the negative stigma they wanted to fight we'll get right to that after this this is high school not so much a musical a podcast that takes you on a ride through the peaks and valleys of a high school journey here are your presenters Nitin Jalodanki and ayush agarwal
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that just being open about it and making sure that a lot more people are hearing about it makes it easier to, like, advocate for people who do have, like, the unique characteristic that you were talking about. I think that one thing that I wanted to pick up on was that you were talking to, like, your employers and your, like, other employees about the... um, Uh, Sorry, you were talking about like the coping mechanisms that you were using at work. So like what are some of the situations in which you will need a coping mechanism? And then some of the things that I've heard was that like people have certain triggers for their ADHD. So what are some of like those triggers that you experience and how exactly did you cope with them using the coping mechanisms at work?
2: Yeah, so uh, a lot of characteristics come with ADHD. Impulsiveness is one, distractions are another. So if I work in an insurance agency, and I'm sitting behind a computer all day, and we have some IM, you know, like an instant messing chat with you for all your employees, and I'm sitting there writing, you know, or, uh, writing up some procedures or talking to a customer and someone starts to ping me on the side. You can easily get distracted. Another thing that came up with me is I, off, I often tended to work super fast. So if you gave me a task, I would try to get it done in 15 minutes. Um, or if I had multiple tasks, I had a, a lot of trouble organizing my tasks. You know, which one do I do first? How, how do I prioritize? Well, what do I do from there? So a lot of the coping mechanisms I have is I'm very organized, almost to like an OCD perspective. Um, any email that comes through, I'll create folders and move it to folders. Or if I have something that needs to be worked on or a reply, I'll leave it in my inbox. I put sticky notes all over my computer monitor. So I... Uh, that can help me get organized and help me figure out what tasks I need to do. Um, one of the gifts that I got with ADHD, and I'm not sure my boys have it, and I know Jill definitely doesn't have it, is multitasking. So I can multitask with the best of them. Best of them. I can have a conversation with you guys right now. I can be typing something on my computer. I can be checking my phone and stay, and stay involved with all the, the things going on. So that's one of the, the skill sets that I have. But it's really just... I still work fast, but it was really just training my brain to slow down, to create lists like to-do lists. I have tons of lists everywhere. It's really just those coping mechanisms so that I know I can stay organized.
3: And both our boys got that trait with taking writing down lists. Our oldest one is super organized. He even organized I don't even know his paper clips and his um his pencil toppers. He has this he took like a toolbox type thing and he ends up organizing everything. So he's very organized. He writes everything down. He doesn't like to use calendars, but he, like I said, he does the sticky notes. He's just very organized and even our younger one, well we have sticky notes all over our house. Remember your mask, remember to lock the door, just different things that he might be feel anxious about or that he's afraid he's going to forget because you just get distracted with life or just things happen so both our boys have figured out this organization task just because even though adam doesn't think he um has always done it but he's always had these coping stro- coping strategies that has really helped him and the boys have had him as a great model to see okay so this is what dad does all right i'm gonna do this now and it seems to be helping
0: like what you said there at the end about the importance of having like a role model like uh adam like you have adhd so your kids were able to kind of learn from you on like different uh, coping mechanisms so adam specifically for you has there been any you know particular role model or person in your life who has helped guide and support you the most with adhd and kind of combating the negative stigma you know
2: I'd have to probably point to my friends, right? So, um, I had a, I had my current boss now it was my boss years ago, and, and he, he really helped me mature and become you know the leader that I am today at work. But it wasn't until probably a year or so ago that when I started you know openly talking about it at work that he was like, "Wow, now I can pinpoint all the things you do at work related to your ADHD." Um, I had good parents growing up. I had a good family structure growing up. Um, They've supported me, what I did. You know, there was always kind of a running joke that I had a lot of energy and stuff. So, um, I I didn't necessarily have a mentor. I kind of learned a lot of this on my own And, and I'm not taking credit for it, but I just learned it as I went. You know, and obviously having Jill, you know, Jill and I have been together for over 18 years now. So she's helped as well watched me progress through my career and and it's kind of helped especially with the boys I can't say I was as patient as I am now with the boys when when they were growing up but I I think I'm still at 43 maturing and still learning ways to to deal with and cope with ADHD so I think it's a lot self-taught and I kind of want to spread some of that stuff I self-taught onto others and um, I am a speech
3: language pathologist so I do provide him with different avenues different supports different strategies mechanisms that i've used or what i've learned in school and what i use as a speech language pathologist for him and for our boys so it's really what you guys are saying you know mentor support but it's also just advocating for yourself and understanding what your unique traits are or characteristics are and being able to speak freely about them to educate the people who are unfamiliar with the topic, because I think that's where all that negative stigma comes from, is that they're not informed. And if they're not informed, then they're gonna look at it differently. But if you can inform people and spread the awareness, then I think that negative stigma sort of decreases and it turns into positive. Sort of like what everyone says, right? Knowledge is power. So you understand what ADHD is and ADD, and hopefully people will be able to adapt their way of thinking to assist a person who might be struggling with their learning style.
1: Yeah, definitely. I completely agree that, like, you just have to kind of get the knowledge out there to, like, people about what's going on. So, like, what you've done shows, like, the impact of turning a society-framed, like, negative problem into, like, a positive issue that people can, like, fight against and make sure that people are advocating for rights and that they're advocating for like equal representation so you think that this framing could be applied to like more issues in society the same way that you're fighting adhd and add could it be the same like idea be applied to more issues
3: i do think it could be i just think it's a matter of the right person being able to freely speak about it have the knowledge or the experience, but I don't, you don't necessarily, like. like Adam and I are just a family who are ingrained in it. You know, we're not professionals, we're not doctors, but we're living our life and we're trying to just make our children have the best success and the most opportunity for them to succeed and, you know, have the confidence that they need to move forward in life. So I think that if someone's passionate about something, you know, whether it's OCD, what he was talking about, or um, depression or any other main, uh, either mental health or just other issues that are in society. If someone is wants to speak about it, I think that you can get it out there as long as that you're willing to put the time in and understand what it really is.
2: And just be passionate about it. Definitely, yeah.
0: I think passion is like one of the most important things because if you you know are passionate about a specific issue then you're more likely to you know go out of your way uh to specifically try to combat you know whatever society is saying against that issue uh and i think if you could you know actually talk a little bit about where that passion comes from for you because obviously it's you know your own personal experiences with ADHD, your own family's experiences with ADHD, but are there other places where you know, you get that passion from?
3: You know, I think the biggest thing was, is our passion was when we would get the phone calls or the emails that I mentioned earlier. It, it's hard as a parent and being a new parent when you're hoping that your child is gonna go to school and they're gonna get the best grades in the class and they're gonna be the most well-behaved. And when you go to your parent conference meetings, you're gonna expect the best you know, uh, report on them, and then you are bombarded by, you know, your son hurdled over two chairs and then they slid into the the circle time rug. And, oh, you know, your son just keeps knocking on uh, their ta- their desk with the with the pencil and it's distracting to the other kids. So you know, I think our passion came from we were just tired of listening to all the 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 different things all the whether it was the the negative responses or just you know emails from teachers that we just wanted to inform the teachers like listen they have adhd or they might not be diagnosed right now but clearly what you're working on and what you're doing they're not having the success so let's try something else so i think the passion came from that we wanted to make sure that they loved school and that they still like school and that being Negatively pinpointed or reprimanded all the time is gonna just bring that confidence down, and you know yeah. the last thing you want is someone to not enjoy school. But uh, you know,
2: I, I'm 43, and I've lived a, a good portion of my life. So, my passion comes from helping defend and helping raise my kids. Although raising kids in today's society, like you guys know, is not as easy as it is. But my passion comes from raising them right and, and, and helping them. And, see you know and talk about things and and helping others that you know it's been an incredible time writing this memoir and having people reach out to us and say you know people in their 40s 50s and and young people say this is great i'm so proud of you guys for doing this we're so happy that you know you're getting this out there so that means more to us than anything yeah i think that like that perfectly describes how exactly
1: we need to like take forward this issue so One of the other questions that we asked Kevin McShawn was, was there any like particular role model or person in any of your guys' lives? So obviously for your sons, it's you guys, but for Adam, was there any person in your life who has helped guide and supported you the most with ADHD in general?
2: It's probably Jill, believe it or not. Um, Like I said, we've been together 18 years and When we got together, I was a young kid right out of college, you know, probably still immature, still dealing with a lot of my immature tendencies. And then she probably helped ground me more than anyone. And, and, you know, lucky or unlucky for her, I don't know how you want to say it, as uh, she dealt with some of the tendencies I had and and my impulsiveness and really stuck by me and really helped me. And and now she's helping me more than ever. So I'd have to say it's Jill. Um, I I would like to think we're, we're, we're a good team together.
0: That's it's, awesome. it's,
2: yeah, yeah, it's really finding that, you know, well, you know, she's my wife, obviously, but it's really finding that just person that that gets you and understands you, and and that goes a long way.
3: There's a lot of laughs. Like I said, there were a lot of tears with the kids when they were younger until we really figured stuff out. But now there's just a lot of. You just got to laugh at some things because if it, if it, if you're unable to laugh at stuff, then it just makes situation so much worse there's just times when you just gotta either let it go or just laugh it off and figure out a solution
2: we, we've had some tragedies and and I, I always say to jill and we always say to the boys life is too short you know and you guys are young so you guys will understand this too life is just too short and, and you got to live each day you know tomorrow's not guaranteed so we just live each day and try to help ourselves and our family and, and help others that's that's really what we're trying to do here definitely okay, yeah
0: uh and I actually kind of want to shift the conversation a bit. Um, Jill, you talked about how you were actually like a speech-language pathologist. And I think yeah. that's, I, I've like never heard of that career. It sounds super interesting. So if you could talk a little bit about what a speech-language pathologist is, what they do, and, you know, how you decided to become one.
3: Yes, I love to. I love talking about my profession. Um, I am a speech-language pathologist. I work at a special ed school. There are so many different avenues that you can go about to be a speech-language pathologist. You can work with adults. You can work with children. You can work with pediatrics. You can work in specialty. You can work with children with feeding. We do so much stuff. You can work on the speech part. You can work on the, the feeding part, cognition. You can work in... Uh, rehabilitation facilities. You can work at um, just private practices, hospitals, like I said, schools, public schools, and that speech language pathologist just really helps um, individual. Either you provide them with the, the voice that they need or the communication that they need. And you can, and if a child might be nonverbal, then you provide them with a, a device that provides them with a voice so that it would be an augmented device that will speak for them if they can't communicate. Or if a child is just having trouble saying in the F sound and they replace it with another sound, you can do therapy for them to try and position their lips in the correct manner so that they have success in saying the F sound. We also work on pragmatics too, which is the social and just helping children, so
1: yeah I think that's like a really good introduction to like kind of the job and I think that we're almost like at the ending point of the podcast and we've talked about like so much about ADHD, what people can do to like kind of fight the stigma, what you guys have done and like how just everything has changed in your lives. And one of the things that we ask every single guest is to just kind of give some tips to our audience. We don't really phrase it anyway, just any kind of tips or general advice that you have for the high schoolers and maybe even college students listening, that would be great.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, just the biggest takeaway would be, you know, don't try to change anyone and don't try to change a child or change your personality, but just try to help yourself or help others understand what might be going on with them. And that, you know, that they will have the ability to think and do stuff, but they might just do it differently. And I also think that the big thing, too, is just make sure you advocate for yourself. And if a child, and if the person can't advocate and you see someone struggling to help them advocate. So if you have more knowledge about a situation or an illness, or um, as we said, even though we don't like to coin that phrase, a disability, I think the biggest thing would be is to provide with the advocacy and that support that someone might need to have the success that they need.
2: Yeah, advocating is huge from, from my perspective. You know, speak about it, let us know what's going on. And what I really want to read is just a quick, uh, five lines from the poem xavier wrote that he ended his poem because this really speaks of, of how in two and our boys are and myself are with adhd uh, the ending of the poem is it says imagine how special it is to have adhd imagine having endless energy imagine having the drive to complete something imagine enjoying life and not stressing about stuff imagine focusing on the small stuff that gets left behind imagine taking risks and learning from them I can never imagine my life without having ADHD. So so that's a kid that's really ingrained and proud of having ADHD and not looking at it as as something that's different from someone else.
0: That was a really beautiful poem. And I think overall, this podcast like kind of gave us a really good understanding of why ADHD is actually super positive and w- why it should be treated as such. And uh, thank you so much for sharing all your experiences, Jill and Adam. I think like since you all were able to talk so openly about this issue it was like a super engaging podcast, super, super open, super friendly, not like just kind of talking about, you know, oh, what is ADHD? How is it diagnosed? Like, how do you fix it, etc. Uh Like yeah. t- kind of really talking about personal experiences. I think it re- really made it engaging. So uh, thank you all for taking the time to come on the show and to our listeners, we'll see you next time.
3: Thank you thank for you having so much. us on the show too.
0: Happy New Year. Happy
1: That's our show for today. Now roll the credits. High School Not So Much A Musical is hosted by Ayush Agarwal, Nitin Jaladanki, and Rishi Sinha. Narration by Samhit Padala. Music from Louis Luang Relaxation Cafe, Tune Pocket, and Infraction. If you like the show, please recommend it to your friends and family. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.